1: Hello and welcome to our UFC 265 post show. I am John Pollock, joined as always by Phil Chertog and an historic outcome from the Toyota Center. We have a UFC interim heavyweight champion that has been crowned.
0: How are you, Phil? I'm great. Not just the interim champion, the first interim champion from France.
1: That is a hell of a qualifier. The first interim champion from France. You never a country never forgets its first interim champion.
0: Who was the first Canadian interim champion? Uh did jo- George St. Pierre.
1: He had the <laughs> interim title that he beat Matt Hughes for when Matt Serra had the the injury that prevented their fight from happening and then George St. Pierre put the belt down in December of 2007 and said, I don't even (laughs) want this. I know this is a bullshit belt. I want the real one, and I'm going to beat Matt Sarah at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And what did he do? He kneed Matt Sarah's ribs out of Canada and became the undisputed actual welterweight champion in April of 2008. First UFC card on Canadian soil.
0: Yes, I remember the promo that you were talking about. It was just on RDS, which is why uh, nobody else uh, recalls it.
1: Well, we have uh, France's first interim champion to discuss, and we're going to (laughs) be going into all of the fights from UFC 265, a card that uh, I I will say, I don't think this felt like one of the big UFC pay-per-views of the year. Certainly uh, pales greatly in comparison to 264, and uh, dare I say, Phil, that I think it is going to pale in comparison to 266 at the end of September. However, the next UFC pay per view is September 25th. We are speaking on August 8th, technically, because we are past uh, midnight. I don't know what what fights will stay together in that amount of time, knowing the UFC's luck here. I mean, they're they're pushing three five round fights for September 25th. God knows how many we'll have once we get to the end of September. But this is the uh, this is a pretty big gap between pay per views.
0: Yeah, it's a, a huge gap and I mean that fight card also includes, you know, Nick Diaz which, you know, that's a phantom until, you know, it's fight time. Uh so uh yeah, could definitely could see some changes ahead of that. And then I just found out they're running a, a card against uh, SummerSlam and the Pacquiao fight as well. So that that's going to be a uh, kind of um, that one's gonna sort of slip under the radar i think for a lot what are you talking
1: about jared cannonier and kelvin gastelum okay they are they're loading up for yeah they're (laughs) off next weekend a very rare weekend off for the ufc so you will have bellator and pfl to keep you satisfied next weekend but uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves let's get into ufc 265 uh tonight's card realistically this is not hyperbole it was totally built around Derek lewis to the point that they felt that this needed a championship attached to it. Francis Ngannou, uh, you know, he's left this division completely dormant because we have not had a heavyweight title fight in this division since the end of March. (laughs) It's August. What's going on here? We need to get this division rolling. So uh, Derek Lewis fighting in Houston, he couldn't just be fighting for the photo op at the end. He needed a championship. So they created a championship. However, it was not Derek Lewis that was uh, presented with this title. Instead, uh, Cyril Gone in what was a very one-sided fight, Phil. Like I... What I saw tonight was the Derek Lewis that fought Francis Ngannou three years ago. However, it was not Francis Ngannou uh, uh, across the octagon from him, who was also equally tentative. It was Cyril Gaon who had a very uh, precise game plan and you know controlled this fight from the moment it started. And I think you had a Houston crowd that was just hopeful of Lewis landing that one big shot and every Derek Lewis fight is going to ha- have that intrigue. Uh, but this is a guy that to me never got out of the gate tonight.
0: Oh, absolutely. There, there was nothing there. Quite frankly, I didn't expect there to be much there at what? all. Like I, I sort you, of, you thought have it to would say, go.
1: Do, do you know how many significant strikes he landed in the entire fight? Five, maybe eight. Okay. Like this was this was a really bad performance for such a oh. big high profile fight, and that you know that is going to be a bit of a a tag I think that is going to be attached to Derek Lewis hmm. when we have seen the Ngannou fight, which was you know in, in essentially a number one contenders fight. Um, then we had when he challenged Daniel Cormier later that year, and then. This, I mean, these are his biggest fights. Um, These have been performances that Derek Lewis has not been able to perform at a level we have seen him in. Like, this is not the most well-rounded fighter, but he is certainly much better than this.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree that this will, uh, you know, live with him. You know, he's always sort of been this, like, almost like a comedic sort of uh, character and you know people didn't take him seriously but you know when you're knocking people out and you got a championship title fight people have to t- take you seriously uh but you know that can kind of go away again right after a performance like this but I, I i it really didn't surprise me because he just is not technical at all and and i've i've seen him fight like this before what actually surprised me is towards the end of the fight how Gon was willing to sort of exchange in the firefights with him. He 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 sort of lost, uh, uh, you know, Derek Lewis lost the respect uh, that uh, Gon was giving him, and uh, he, w- he wasn't afraid to trade with him, and that ultimately led to the finish, I think.
1: Yeah, it was like the most exciting exchange of the fight was reserved for the closing sequence, because uh, early on, it's just Lewis reacting and standing like doing nothing uh in the opening round uh there was a there was a low shot to gone so there was a brief uh timeout and gone is just you know he's he's kind of circling around he's picking his shots he landed this right hand over the ear and then a leg kick and this hard jab on Derek Lewis. So really just establishing his, his striking uh, superiority in the first round that continued in the second, there was some clinch work from gone as he was uh, repeatedly landing knees while using wrist control and landed this big elbow over the top in the closing seconds. And we go to the third round gone is kicking away at the leg and Lewis would take some shots, but it was really nothing that was threatening. Um, There's an uppercut from gone. He's attacking with his left hands. And in this mix up, uh, Lewis actually loses his mouthpiece and Dan Margolietta steps in to reinsert the mouthpiece. Uh, And they get into this big flurry. And eventually Lewis just goes down and he gets finished with strikes from Cyril gone four minutes, 11 seconds of round number three and the significant strikes 99 for gone and eight for Derek Lewis.
0: Yeah, like you said, not not a spectacular performance. I mean, it was it was built really around the idea that he just needed to land one shot. Well, he got eight of them, and he couldn't get it done. So, uh, yeah, back to the drawing board for Derek Lewis. And it's you know, I mean, when you when you can knock out people spectacularly, you know, it's hard to 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 say in a limited division that you're never going to see a title shot, but it it feels like a real long road back to that spot after a performance like this, when you're the hometown draw.
1: Do do you think that um, like takedowns were even uh, an an option here for a Derek Lewis? Like we know what pressure this guy has, if he can get on top of someone and his Mm -hmm. corner, like after the second round, his corner has no answers for him they're just saying you're down two rounds we don't have much to tell you than what we said after the first round like they like obviously th- this game plan is done and it just seemed that you know th- this was a guy that was out there and he had he had no ability to adjust or go for anything and this was just a countdown to gone eventually finishing him or continuing to punish him and ride out a decision victory it just it was one of those very frustrating uh performances where you, you weren't even like lewis couldn't get any of his striking game off so there was the decision like do you try and at least change something up that maybe you're going to surprise gone and even if you are getting to sprawl that's going to leave him open for a right
0: hand yeah I think uh when they got in the clinch a couple of times and they were sort of doing like a little test of strength uh uh Lewis did try to throw him to the ground um but I don't think it was ever gonna be part of his game plan because a that's not what he's practicing and uh it's a lot of effort to, to try to go for takedown so even though you're absolutely correct you you've got you've gotta change things up but it's also you know, when your, your full story is the one punch knockout, you know, all you need to change up is land that one punch, right? So it it, it kind of goes away from his whole game plan to begin with.
1: So gone improves to 10 and zero, and, you know, he should really be the focus here. I mean, he came out, he fought Derek Lewis the right way. And this is a guy that he is, you know, this is uh, someone that can exhibit a lot of patience, but when needed, uh, turns that volume up and did so uh, a few times in this fight, especially towards the end. And coming out of this fight, you know, your direction, this was hilarious. Daniel Cormier is interviewing the new interim champion and notes how the undisputed heavyweight champion is Francis Ngannou. I love this.
0: Undisputed, yes. Uh, The
1: undisputed heavyweight champion. Uh, So this title is not even worthy of a dispute. (laughs) <laughs> but that that is the fight to make Phil but I'll say this that obviously this would be an amazing fight to be able for the UFC to to be able to go to France with but I will say with where we are in the world I don't think you're running France anytime soon
0: uh yeah and and you know it's a nice idea to go to France but you've got a heavyweight title fight with a knockout you know machine that That screams Vegas, and that's where anganu's camp is based, so that fight's gonna be in Vegas
1: do you foresee any any hold up here It's not as though things have been um you know it sounds like Francis Nganu and Dana White they are communicating through the media and I don't know how much um discussion is going on with anganu's camp uh, but it does seem like there is there is a lot of friction there in in that relationship. Um, to the point that the, the next question is going to be, if Gone if is ready to fight and you're having these issues, we may see a Gone interim title defense against someone <laughs> not named Francis and Gonu. And then this thing is just another mess.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I it, it definitely is the fight that they pretty much have to make without turning uh, it into a complete shit show. Um,
1: see, it, see, I don't feel they, they are in a position now. They don't feel there's any fight they have to make. They have so much power, and this interim title is just them showcasing. You want to you want to sit on the sidelines? That's great. We're gonna move on. We're gonna we've got this guaranteed money, and we're just gonna keep moving forward. That's what tonight was. It was essentially saying we can just at will create a title, and if we want to go ahead and have Cyril gone fight Curtis Blades, we'll do that
0: sure sure they can do that uh but they also want to put on the most lucrative fights right they do want to make money and they do want to put on the fights that people want to see and people are not okay, going to okay be okay calm. phil
1: then why why are we nowhere close to francis Nganu and john jones much less waiting for like tonight's card was this was very much for the houston market they did a great like they pretty much sold out the toyota center but this was not a lucrative fight for the masses and I don't Absolutely. think, they, and I don't think, and I don't think they feel that pressure to have to make John Jones with anyone. It seems like you want these are your demands. Cool, we're not meeting them. So when you change your mind, we'll be here and we're moving on. Like I, I don't know if they feel that pressure to have to put on the biggest fights possible when this deal with ESPN Plus gives them like this guaranteed revenue for their pay per views. Like it's nice <laughs> for a live gate to have a Connor fight or a
0: Jones okay. fight. Sure. Okay. Well, look, there first of all, there's st- ESPN is your television partner and they're selling pay-per-views. So they want you to put on the biggest events possible. And then you're still selling to bars. You're still selling international pay-per-views. So there is always going to be this idea that you do want to sell the biggest pay-per-views. Now, not every pay-per-view can be the biggest one. And as you mentioned, this was definitely geared towards the Houston market. That's why they put this title fight. There, right that's they thought you know this was the second time in houston in a few months uh it wasn't a sellout right you saw lots of empty seats there so and i'm not saying it was a good tool like it, it made a difference but that's i think the reasoning um ultimately yeah they're good they don't need any specific fighter they don't need to fulfill that no they can wait forever and not have john jones fight but on the whole they do need to put on big fights cuz what what else are they doing that's the whole point of the UFC
1: well obviously i think that you know Nganu and gon is going to be the direction and in a weird way like this tonight's card i think it you know gon gets a nice win and it points everyone in that direction and i think that that does kind of cool off the john jones talk i think a lot of the fan base is looking at that's not happening in the meantime, and here's this other fight that now we have more of an interest in after seeing Cyril gone tonight perform in the way he did, and you're going to have Gaṇu and Nganu and Gaṇ be the destination that I think fans are going to look at as the more realistic fight that the UFC can put together in a reasonable amount of time.
0: I kind of felt that already had happened, like it it sort of seemed like right after the Nganu win you know if the if the Jones thing was going to happen, it was gonna get hot, and they were gonna figure it out, and it cooled off right away and so and it's you know they they had already moved on to Derek Lewis and they were mm-hmm. selling Nganu versus Derek Lewis, and people were okay with that. it's just they couldn't work out on the the timing of it so um if you know if they're able to settle things with Nganu and he's not too pissed off. Uh it, it is a pretty exciting fight that I think the fans will get behind because, you know, we were talking uh on the preview show and mentioning how Gon is, you know, has a sort of like this style that's technical and not too exciting. Well, look, he turned that technical style into an exciting finish. So hopefully that creates a little bit more excitement for uh an Nganu fight.
1: Last thing on the heavyweight division, you know, one name that is not coming up too often is Stipe Miocic. And what do you see as his future in this heavyweight mix?
0: I think, I mean, for he's in a tough spot, right? Uh, it doesn't seem like the UFC is terribly interested in giving him a title shot. And, you know, there's already a queue. Uh, the idea of a John Jones fight is really interesting, um, but... I just feel like if you're the UFC and you're gonna invest in Jones at heavyweight, it's gonna be in that Nganu fight first. So yeah, a bit of no man's land for him. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to do with him.
1: It's a it's a tough spot. Like I don't know where where he goes next. Like I, I don't think we've seen the last fight of his career, but it is one where, you know, he is getting up there in age. He has had his his championship reigns and And it's, it just becomes difficult. Like Jones and Miocic, I think a lot of people would be interested in that fight. But I, I also feel like if you are negotiating with John Jones, it's, it's going to be a very expensive fight for the UFC to put together. And are they going to have that motivation uh, with, with, you know, two individuals that I think have, you know, had difficult relationships over the years with UFC.
0: Yeah. And then you go down the list of other contenders and, you know, the, the division is very thin. And because, you know, Stipe is, is such a, you know, you know, goat heavyweight, you want to put him against somebody that's going to be worthwhile. So either another big name or somebody who could make a name off of him, but there really doesn't feel like there's anybody in that position right now in the division. So... He's, he's almost in like, uh, you know, obviously he lost and he had the title, but he, it feels like he's sort of in that Leon Edwards uh, zone.
1: And it's a very tough transition when you go from being used to fighting in championship fights and having pay-per-view points. And all of a sudden, you know, they want to match you with a Curtis Blades or a Jarzino Rosenstruck. And it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be as financially lucrative of as your championship fights that you have become accustomed to making that amount.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's part of the reason why I'm sure he's pushing for uh, that inganu uh, rematch. So moving on down
1: the card, Jose Aldo defeated Pedro Munoz by unanimous decision. Um, first round was very close. They were identical with 24 significant strikes apiece. And it was, you know, Aldo, you could see this game plan of going to the body. Uh, Munoz was loading up on a lot of his shots and... Aldo just kind of pulled away with this fight. Uh, The second round I still thought was another close round where Munoz was landing uh, at times with his right hand, but the key was uh, Aldo utilizing his jab. And we also got the occasional leg kick from Aldo that has been at one time was a hallmark of his game plan that he has greatly gotten away from, but we did see a little bit of that output in this fight. Uh, But anyway, Aldo to me took the second round as well. And then just kind of put on a clinic in the third round. He's going to the body routinely. He landed this triple jab, this great combination that he followed with. And uh, by the end of it, they noted this interesting stat that even though this was only a three round fight, Aldo topped his personal best in significant strikes landed uh, topping 102. That was his previous best. And I find that amazing given like, the five-round fight he had with Chad Mendez and, you know, some of the other five-round fights he has had. But this was the all-time greatest amount of significant strikes landed for Jose Aldo in a fight. And he took the unanimous decision, 30-27. I was very impressed by Aldo in this fight.
0: Yeah, me as well. Uh, I had it the same way, uh, 30-27. Uh, he got better as the fight went on. The way he would rip the body, it was like with such mean intentions. Like it, like two, three, four punch combos sometimes, and then he'd like slip off to the side with uh, nice angles. Really good defensively. He did get hit a few times, but overall, just incredibly sound defensively. And then when the third round came, the way he put it on him, um, the way that Aldo put it on Munoz was really impressive. Just clearly. Uh, You know, intent to be more aggressive, look for the finish, uh, make a statement, didn't get it, but absolutely uh, impressive performance that demonstrates he's still right at the top of this division.
1: Yeah, um, that third round, they had noted, like, throughout the fight, he was landing 58% of his shots, 77% in round three. So it uh, it, it was a really impressive performance. To me, it showcased that this was a guy that's not just clinging to that top five it's like he he can be a player i i would not necessarily be picking this guy if, if he were you know thrust to the absolute top of the division but the fight he seems to be interested in is tj dillashaw and that's going to be the ultimate litmus test phil if he can beat a tj dillashaw in this stage of his career uh then i don't know what the ceiling is for him at bantamweight but that's that's a big jump when you go from Pedro Munoz to TJ Dillashaw, but I would like to see that fight happen.
0: I think that's appropriate. I mean, Munoz, as the commentators mentioned, yeah, he has uh, some tough losses, but they're against the top guys in the division. And uh, Aldo has also been fighting the top guys in the division, of course, losing to the former champion. Uh, So I think it's a perfect fight to make right now. I know uh, Eric would probably disagree. Uh, He's clamoring for that Dominic Cruz versus Jose Aldo fight. But in terms of who's closer to another title shot, I think uh, Dillashaw versus Aldo makes more sense.
1: I think just if you're Aldo and you do have championship aspirations, like Cruz, just like stylistically, that's a really intriguing fight to watch it's just what does that do for jose aldo it's like dominic cruz has just you know it's it's just been inactivity like he is not mm-hmm. someone that uh you know a dillashaw that does springboard you you beat tj dillashaw you should be fighting for a championship even if it ends up being a rematch with with yawn or if it's aljamain sterling yeah I, I i completely agree so this was this was a great night for jose aldo 34 years of age
0: with with 500 years of miles on him. <laughs> yes. Yes,
1: he has uh the Nogera gene. Yeah. Where the yeah. the age doesn't exactly equal the um it, it wouldn't be your guess the the age. Michael Chiesa Vicente Luque. Uh, I was very excited for this fight throughout this week.
0: I thought this was I know. Really... I mean the text Th- message was This was probably the most today. interesting
1: fight uh, of of the main card for me was was this fight and it only lasted Three minutes and twenty-five seconds. Kiesa looked in phenomenal shape, um, probably a byproduct of playing Lord's mobile all week.
0: Yes, uh, you know you can uh, set up all of your uh, units. You can go to war. It's currently available on Google Play and the uh, Apple App Store. Is something okay, John? You look uh, concerned.
1: Yes, sorry, I heard something in my my ear. Did you hear that?
0: I didn't hear anything
1: okay it was it uh, was it, it was it on my
0: end oh, okay it was somebody telling you that this uh product placement joke isn't working uh <laughs> 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 I, I am sure it was a it was a
1: tremendous uh product placement <laughs> joke but uh i was distracted <laughs> um so anyway michael Chiesa looked in tremendous shape here um you know, th- this guy they were remarking on his way to the cage of just how this guy killed himself to get to lightweight and it will never not be stunning to me watching this guy and this guy was able to make it to lightweight.
0: Yeah. One of the more, uh, wilder weight cuts, uh, in, uh, you know, UFC history for sure. Um, I'll probably as bad as, uh, Anthony Johnson at welterweight.
1: Oh, you know what? I, <laughs> I have to go outside for for Tuesday. Can you just uh can you just go over this fight? I'm literally going to be yes, 60 seconds. Yes, no Sorry. problem. I, I no, no no, no
0: no, that's fine. No problem. But I, have multiple I, things I will... going on. I'll be right back. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> As Chaos uh enters the uh UFC 265 post show, I'll just run down uh Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. It's pretty straightforward. Uh Kiesa got uh the takedown after drawing in uh Luke. Actually, Kiesa landed a pretty good one-two. Uh Kiesa got on top, got to the back, looked for the finish, but unfortunately he didn't have the double hooks in. He only had sort of like this cross on one leg, and you can finish that way, but uh Luque was fighting with the hands enough that he lost the leg position, and that was the fatal flaw. Then as they're getting up, Chiesa tries to go for a takedown, leaves his neck open for the Darce, and that's a wrap. Luque finishes with the Darce in uh, under three minutes or so in round one. Uh, incredible performance. Uh, yeah, hopefully John will be back soon to uh, go over that one. But an excellent, you know, surprising. Of course, uh, if you were going to pick a submission in this fight, you would not pick uh, Michael Chiesa you would pick Vincent uh you wouldn't pick Vincente Luque it would probably be Michael Chiesa but uh, ultimately uh Luque uh, gets the sneaky darts in there and uh delivers an incredible win and sets himself up for a really big fight
1: I am back and that was a wonderful recap Phil you did a tremendous job thank you um I cannot guess what you just described but this was um a pretty entertaining 3 minutes and 25 seconds where Kiesa uh, got the takedown. And I think that was one of the major questions of this fight. And Luque was able to reverse and taps out Michael Chiesa. That is a very impressive victory for Vicente Luque. Like, Michael Chiesa, that's a really significant win for him.
0: Oh, abso- absolutely. I mean, Kiesa had been on a roll. He He looked huge he put himself in such a great position to win the fight it, you know he looked it looked deep on his uh uh when he had the back um but uh yeah Luque stayed calm was able to fight the hands strip the leg reverse position force another takedown attempt and slip in the darts and it, yeah i mean Luque's looked amazing right like i mean you look at his losses they're they're only to the top guys and then his wins of late finishing woodley now finishing uh Kiesa, I mean, you know, again, this division, it, it's a log jam, but uh, this guy is right at the top.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is his third win with a Darce. And also, an interesting trivia note, the second time Kiesa has been submitted by a Darce, the other, Jorge Masvidal. Wow. Got a Darce on him. Um, so Luque now has won 10 of his last 11 and his fourth straight victory and after the fight said even though he's friends with him he wants Kamaru Usman who he, he is pretty confident is going to get past Colby Covington that is that is just a pit stop and you know what this is the kind of a performance that if we i feel every single card we talk about this guy whether he is involved or not in the in the picture but for Leon Edwards I'm telling you like this is the performance ultimately that is going to leapfrog you above people like I have no doubt that if they were if there was some injury to Colby Covington tomorrow and they needed a new challenger I think Vicente Luque is getting that over a Leon Edwards
0: you're probably right uh about that um you know I think Edwards recently has said he wants to the Masvidal fight which you know from a ranking standpoint doesn't make any sense. But it sounds like, okay, he gets it now. This is the only way he's going to get his title fight. He beats this guy in big fashion. They have their history, three piece soda. So why not do it now? Um, so maybe that happens and Edwards can get in there. But yeah, I totally agree. A really exciting performance, um, is like this, you know, this is his second exciting performance in a row. So yeah, if something happens, why not? He totally could be shoved in there.
1: And, an equally impressive streak to me. Like Luque has the one loss in there, unlike Edwards. But I mean, Jesus Christ, at ten, winning ten of eleven at, at at this at this weight class. Um, but th- this was to me a very very impressive win to be able to finish Michael Chiesa. A very strong win for Vicente Luque. Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill, a rematch from June of 2015. Uh, and in this fight, uh, Tisha Torres was essentially her nickname here. She was. The tiny tornado. She was just so fast for Angela Hill. And once she got going, I I thought like Angela Hill seemed to come out with a a pretty good game plan. And Torres was just patient. And once she found um, her rhythm here, I mean, she just tore it up here on Angela Hill in this final minute. Utilizing push kicks. Ended the round really strong. Landed this big combination. And from that point on, it was pretty much the Tisha Torres show here. I mean, they compared a lot to the last fight at UFC 188 that was a heavy grappling affair by Torres. This one, it was all on the feet. Uh, Torres uh, got out of the clinch and is just landing big shots on Angela Hill. She went for like this crazy spin kick, almost like an insiguri missing Angela Hill. It was like stuff you'd never envision out of Tisha Torres. And then in the third round, um it's just a higher volume output from from Torres and anytime Hill would enter the pocket boom Torres would send her back and this was just um for for Angela Hill her best output was in the third round but i still th- saw this as a uh, a clean sweep for Tisha Torres i had it 3027 phil your scorecard
0: i did it the same way 3027 uh i think you really nailed it with the push kicks and every time uh Uh, Hill would enter the pocket, Uh, you know, there would be a kick to send her back or, you know, she'd slip off to the side. She was just never there to be hit. Uh, There was a couple moments where Hill looked pretty strong in the clinch position, but uh, not strong enough that she was able to do too much with it. And Torres was always just able to circle out and, again, get it back into that kicking range where she just essentially dominated. Um, you know, Hill was game, always move forward. She did land her shots, but mostly she seemed to get frustrated just by the sheer volume that Torres had and the fact that she kept pushing her back from that pocket. Yeah, Torres
1: had like this real terrible stretch where she was thrown in there against, you know, some some of the top strawweights in the division. She lost to Jessica Andrade, Joanna Janjacek, Zhang Wei Li, and then Marina Rodriguez. Um she's now won 3 straight. Do you think that she can still make a campaign here at, at Strawweight and and build herself uh back up? Like she lo- she looked great tonight. Um those were th- that was a tough stretch for her.
0: Yeah, I, I do think she can build herself back up. I mean, she she's super well-rounded. She looks like she's getting better and better. Um uh, so I I to- I don't see why not. I mean, you know, this Angela Hill is a very popular fighter. Uh, and this was, a, you know, I mean, outside of the fact this wasn't the biggest pay-per-view, it was a high-profile slot, and she delivered. Uh, it wasn't, you know, a KO, which is something we're always looking for uh, when we want to really push somebody. But I, I think she's going to get, you know, a really top, uh, you know, top five person. And then if she wins that, yeah, why not title shot?
1: And then opening up the pay-per-view with Song Yedong versus Casey Kenny going another three rounds here this was a uh, this was like five straight decisions that we had uh boiling over from the prelims but uh Yedong won by split decision on scores of 30-27 twice and one scoring at 29-28 uh for Kenny um it was it was a very there, there were several very close rounds um t- to this fight I, I think you could probably have a, a range of scorecards i did have it 30-27 uh for yadong i I thought he was he was much quicker uh, throughout this fight and just seemed to uh be able to land at a lot more of a consistency than Casey Kenny, who was throwing a lot and you know he would land some but was also n- missing on several of them uh right near the end uh Yadong had blocked three takedowns and then ended up giving up one to Kenny uh right near the end but I'm kind of curious how you scored this uh Phil because it was a very close fight even though Um, Two of the judges had it 30-27. They were still some close rounds in there.
0: Yeah, KC was always pressuring, and the strike counts were close, uh, but Yudong was really keeping him off with a very effective jab, and he came forward himself as well. I had it uh, 29-28 for Yudong. I gave KC the last round. Uh, I thought that was the one that was the closest. Uh, I was pretty surprised with Yodong. Uh I knew he was a good fighter, but I thought that the pressure of Casey would ultimately, uh, you, know, you know, he wouldn't be able to handle it considering he's so young and inexperienced, but uh, he passed the test with flying colors and a really great uh, bounce back win for him.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't seem like he's had that breakout performance yet, but he's six and one with a draw in the UFC so far. And, extremely young too like he's someone that's been around for a minute but is only 23 years of age and I think that um he he still is is growing and I think that he's you know one bantamweight that I I I would very much be interested in to see the fact that they got a pay-per-view slot here I think that is always a good sign and it's a very deep division at 135 pounds so trying to stand out in a big way it's a challenge but we will see maybe he, he could ambulance. uh
0: maybe it could be him versus Dominic Cruz, right? Dominic Cruz just beat Casey. He's the 23-year-old from Alpha Male. Let's let's bring back the You Alpha know what? Male there, there's field. an
1: interesting story there. I, I don't think that's the worst idea.
0: I mean, what else are you gonna do with Cruz unless you're gonna put him in a legends type fight?
1: I, I think with Cruz it's what what do we want to do with this guy? Do we want to just pair him out with like name like There is the novelty of you know doing a rematch with Dillashaw, or do you utilize him against younger fighters? And then it's like, is Cruz on board to take those kinds of fights? Uh, I I don't hate that option,
0: especially with the alpha male history. Yeah, I think the impression I got uh, just sort of way that Cruz has been talking about his next fight is he understands you know what spot he's in, and he's he's not really in a spot to ask for. A specific name, but I think you know he wants somebody higher ranked than him, and he wants something that's going to theoretically lead him to a title shot. And this is somebody who is higher ranked than him, I believe now, or it'll be right there. It should be.
1: Yeah, at bantamweight, we've got I've got the rankings actually right here. I don't know where I have it as. Yudong isn't even ranked, and neither guy is ranked. So that kind of tells you the
0: depth. Cruz F- is 10.
1: 15th. Oh sorry, I thought we were talking about Yadong and Casey Kenny, but yeah, Cruz yeah. is 10th. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so Yadong doesn't fit the I mean he will be ranked I think after this uh uh after uh the, the he won't be ranked higher than Cruz. But anyway, it it still fits. I think it's a good match, you know. Uh there's a good story there and yeah, always fun to do uh Dominic Cruz the alpha male killer. <laughs> the alpha male killer. Um, then we go into the prelims. Uh
1: this we, we haven't got we haven't seen the bonuses yet. This has to be fight of the night. Bobby Green and Rafael Fiziev. This was an incredible fight.
0: Absolutely. Uh you know, we both uh, mentioned this on the pre-show how excited we were. Uh Fiziev is uh like a, a a real expert at kickboxing and uh Bobby Green has been in the UFC for a while. Has had you know tough up and down looked great at times looked bad at times he looked really good here they both looked really good and it it was an amazing incredible technical uh kickboxing battle
1: this was maybe the, the perfect fight for a Pazib to see like where he is at bobby green is a tough fighter to deal with he's got a very different style that is going to force you that it's largely designed to force the opponent to enter and make mistakes so that he can counter on you so it was you know a bit of a a a bit of a puzzle here for him to figure out but I was doing pretty well here in the in the first two rounds uh I thought that uh was the superior striker and it was very frustrating because anytime he would land Bobby Green would just shake his head like not good enough, not good enough. And it would just, <laughs> the, like, he did it with such authority that it was like, you're almost like negating the work that Fazib has just done here. But, um, you know, in the second round, I, get, I gave Fazib the first round, and I also gave him the second round. They, in the middle of the second, they just start trading in the middle, and this crowd goes nuts. And he, Green takes this, kick to the body and just shrugs it off green you can see him really start to piece everything together right near the end of the second round and that set the table for round three which was a total bobby green round except for one person in the toyota center who happened Mm -hmm. to have a pencil and a scorecard Fazib is tagged by several right hands and he's eating more shots green is just piling up these strikes he eats a head kick but then fires off more shots and ends the round tremendously well Bobby Green outlanded Rafael Fazeev 74 to 35 in round three there were debates was this a 10-8 round or not if you want to go 10-8 I would not argue with you I went 10-9 but if you want to go 10-8 that's great what you can absolutely not go is 10-9 <laughs> for Rafael Fazib, as this one judge Joshua Ferraro did We got the scores of 30 27, 29 28, 29 28 for Rafael Paziv. I scored at 29 28. Phil, if you scored this 30 27, we have to move on. We cannot do any more shows together.
0: Let me just edit my existing. (laughs) uh, uh, No, I had this uh, the same way as you. This was Uh, crazy. This was utter craziness. Yeah. The second round was closer. Well, you know, it looked like Bobby got hurt in that round. So, you know, it, it, that made it, I guess, easier to score for Fiziev, but round three, it was just one way traffic. I mean, Fiziev was still in the fight. He was still moving forward, even though he was clearly tired, but it, and as he you was, pointed out, you know, he, two to one. the yeah, strikes. Exactly.
1: So, it was, you know, Feziv, like 35 strikes in a round is nothing to, you know, uh, just shrug aside, but he was doubled in significant strikes. It kind of uh, puts that 35 into perspective here. But nonetheless, um, this was an excellent, excellent fight. I have no doubt it is going to be fight of... I, I thought this was one of the better fights of the year. I wouldn't say the fight of the year, but this was uh, a really great fight.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of fun moments, a lot of back and forth uh, talking. Faziv is a really uh, exciting guy to watch. I think uh, there's a lot of fun opportunities for him uh to you know have banter and uh he's an interesting personality
1: yes um so he improves the four and one in the ufc he had lost his his debut and had scored wins over alex white mark Jacasey, and knocked out Hanato moicano in his last fight back in december so has now won four straight at 155 pounds uh, Vince Morales and Draco Rodriguez fought at 135 pounds. Uh, I gave Morales the first and definitely the third round. I thought the third was the strongest. Uh by either fighter uh, of the fight. Uh, So I had this 29-28 for Morales. Uh, It was a very close fight. Uh, In the second, Rodriguez was able to get several takedowns, but none of them really amounted to anything because Morales just kept uh, popping up, and Rodriguez cracked him with this left hand. So the, the lone round I gave to Rodriguez was the second. And then in the third, it just seemed Morales piled up the pressure and was able to stop takedowns and just... The clearest round to me of
0: the three. Uh, I had the score the same, but I had round one to Rodriguez with round two to Morales because Morales had dropped Rodriguez early in the round. And so that was kind of the difference maker. But round three, it was pretty clear that Morales uh, had done enough to, you know, separate himself. And yeah, easy round to score.
1: Then we go to Ed Herman, 40-year-old Ed Herman versus Alonzo Menafield at 205 pounds. Uh, at one point during this fight, Dominic Cruz was talking about how long ago it was that Ed Herman was making his UFC debut back in 2006. And he threw out this story that like the UFC was illegal in 50 states. It's like, dude. The UFC was never illegal in 50 states. It <laughs> certainly was not illegal in 50 states in 2006 when dude the company had exploded by then. It was pretty popular mm-hmm. by 2006. It was just a very uh
0: Well, very I odd mean fight. I saw Ed Herman fight in Montreal and that was only a few years after he had been in the UFC. So, and that came well after all 50 states uh, were allowed or or at least most of the states cuz New York came late. But, uh, yeah, uh, Cruz may need to check his timelines.
1: Um, the amazing thing about Ed Herman, too, is that when you go back to 2006, he's, he was part of the third season of The Ultimate Fighter. And since that time, he there's like a stretch of – there's like one full calendar year he didn't get a fight in, in 2010. But everyone – every other year – He's got in minimum one fight. And coming into this one, he had won his last three. So the guy has been durable.
0: Definitely. Um, you know. To note, one of those was a Strike Force event. He was on Strike Force. Right. He was Mark loaned Bar- by them. That's right. Yes. He was loaned
1: by UFC for um, a Strike Force event.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, a uh, durable fighter, you know, some gets a win, gets a loss. Usually, tough fight for, for almost anyone. Um <laughs> tough well, one for him today.
1: This this was a rough one for Ed Herman. Um at the beginning, uh Herman was able to hit this check left hook, and then Menifield was covering his right eye for most of the round, uh, but still did a lot of damage to the lead leg of Ed Herman. He still won the round, and Herman's leg is beginning to swell, and it would only get worse. In the third, or er, sorry, in the second round, Herman was just he was pretty much just loading up and swinging and listen ed herman is a fun fighter but i mean this it felt like watching you know the style of a fighter from another era it was just you know a different level of you know technical striking here he was just and granted he was basically on one leg by this point as well that probably didn't help his uh setup here but i mean he's still coming forward it's not like this guy was um not bringing this fight to menafield but Menafield just cracked him with a left hand, is kicking his leg apart, and Herman is having trouble standing. He switches stances and then takes one final leg kick at the horn, and Menafield I, I thought this was a 10-8 round, and the doctor comes in to check on his shin, and he's got this growth coming out of his shin, uh, but the doctor says, um you're good to go. So Ed Herman continued into this third round and you know what? Um, Herman made it to the end of this. Um, it was still another Menafield round, but I mean, Ed Herman's still throwing by the end of this. Um, he definitely gets a moral victory by getting to the end of this fight, but Alonzo Menafield is your winner by unanimous decision on straight scores of 30, 27.
0: Yeah, not much more to add. Ed Herman, veteran, tough guy, obviously. Uh, but yeah, he looked it looked pretty brutal. Like he the leg was so bad. And clear he was forced to switch stances, and it looked like it was like the first time he'd ever stood in that stance in his career. Um, so uh yeah, a rough go for him. Um I I'm not sure if we're gonna see him in the UFC again.
1: I think that he's he at least has those wins coming into this fight that I mean, it'll be his decision, but I I don't see the UFC not offering him another fight. I think that he gets the invite to come back. But, I mean, you're 40 now, and, you know, look at tonight. Like, they're putting him in there with killers. Like, in Alonzo Menefield. It's, it's like, you're 40. You know, there's a lot of miles on Ed Herman at this point. So, I mean, that's...
0: Well, maybe that's he sees play. it as like, oh, I was so close. I almost had him in there just that one shot
1: (laughs) and then the prelims opened with jessica penne submitting carolina kovo in 432 of the first round uh got this takedown and daniel cormier dominic cruz described it as a sweep and daniel cormier said that wasn't a sweep that was a body lock takedown and this was the first fight i watched and these two were just like bickering at one another. And I was like, if this is going to be the next six hours, this is going to be dreadful. But they they got on the same page. Uh, Penne landed several big shots, and she was able to get to the mount. And then she's rolling for the armbar. Kovacavich tried to slam her out, but Penne was locked on this arm and then finally just got the full uh, armbar and submitted Kovacavich. Uh Penne was in tears afterwards. She of course missed four years. She had this whole battle with USADA that her sanction ended up getting reduced, but she was looking at a four year suspension uh, and ended up, it ended up being four years between fights for her. And she came back earlier this year. She won in April. So she's now won two. And she just said like, I can't get that time I've lost, but I'm going to make the most of what I have here. She just seemed like so grateful to be able to fight. And conversely, for Kovalevich, she is now zero five since September of 2018, and I could see this being the end of Carolina Kovalevich, Phil. I mean, she has fought some big names. Um, some of those losses were to uh, Jessica Andrade, Michelle Waterson, Alexa Grasso, but zero um, and five—you, not many fighters that survive five straight losses.
0: Oh, oh, definitely. I I mean, I think it's pretty much guaranteed this was her last, uh, you know, time in the UFC. Uh, You know, and I don't don't say this with any type of uh, pleasure, but this was one of the worst Fight IQ performances that I can recall. Uh, You know, she made a very poor decision early to to follow Pantene to the ground. And then that led to her being on her back from that takedown sweep, whatever, that they have decided. And, you know, she got put in an arm bar. She had, she did so, there was so many opportunities for her to escape. She had two really great opportunities to escape. She was able to get on top to put pressure on the arm. So, but just tons of foolish moves that led to her demise. Kind of sad to see, because at one point, you know, she was somebody who we thought could be the top of the division. Uh, Always tough to see somebody go out, uh, you know, with five losses in a row in any fashion. Um, But yeah, not a good performance at all.
1: She had, like I would say, like her peak moment to me. um, If you want to be really specific, she had that one really great round against Joanna at uh, 205 at Madison Square Garden. I'm pretty sure she lost four of the five rounds in that title fight. But she had one really great round against Jacek. But I mean, it's... You know, she was someone that came in with with a lot of, of hype and interest behind her. She got up to the championship level, uh, but I mean, oh, five—it's just I, I'd be I'd be stunned to to see her back. I would imagine, um, you know, whether whether Bellator has an interest in her, whether she is an attractive opponent for BKFC to pair with a Paige Van Zant, maybe that is a direction she goes.
0: I mean, that's I mean, that's certainly more in her skill set, uh, you know. She- Um, but you know, I mean, is that something that, you know, you really even want to do, you know, I mean, I guess it's a a lucrative option potentially, or it's like a option, but I'm not sure that that necessarily appeals to, you know, every fighter out there. And quickly here, these are
1: the results from the early prelims, uh, Manel cop who missed weight, uh, coming in at 129 pounds, Uh, scored this amazing knockout of O'Day Osborne at 444 of the first round when he landed this flying knee and finished him with strikes. Uh, If not for the weight cut, he, I'm sure, would have been getting a bonus uh, for this. This was a really spectacular knockout.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was was begging for the bonus, and uh, DC had to inform him. You don't get a bonus when you don't make weight.
1: Uh, Miles Johns uh, knocked out Anderson Dos Santos at 116 of the third round. He was just tagging him with rights and then nailed him with this left to the body. And this right hand over the top dropped him Uh, another uh, strong knockout victory here on the early prelims. Uh, Melissa Gatto defeated Victoria Leonardo by TKO. This came after the second round with a doctor's stoppage as Leonardo ended up re-breaking her right arm that she had surgery on this past January. The doctor determined it was broken and uh, that was it. It was called off after. And that's, that's really tough when you've have a pre-existing problem with an arm. And now you're back to square one of the whole injury process.
0: Uh, that is five consecutive numbered UFC events with a broken bone. So uh, I don't think that that is a record that will be broken anytime soon oh boy you really just uh (laughs) put that one together you were up
1: you were up late thinking of that one and the card kicked off with johnny munoz jr submitting jamie simmons with a rear naked choke 235 of the second round munoz had his back was threatening with the choke uh simmons was fighting it but then uh munoz just dragged simmons back to the to, to the mat and just locked on this rear naked choke and submitted him 235 of round two. So uh, four finishes uh, to kick off the early prelims of UFC 265.
0: Yeah. The early prelims were really good. Uh, you know, I, if uh, you're going to go back and look at any of it, I'd say the miles Johns and the uh, cop fights would be the ones uh, to take note of because both of those guys have uh, some potential to,
1: so the bonuses here, if I am uh, looking these up uh, correctly, we have they're out. So it's Cyril Gon, gone, uh, uh, Cyril Gon got one performance of the night bonus, as did Vicente Luque, and as expected, uh, Rafael uh, fazive and Bobby Green got. That's interesting the because
0: I have Mark Raimundi reporting something slightly different. He has.
1: You know what? what? There's multiple performance of the night bonuses here. I've there's
0: I've there's got four for oh there's four. So yeah, I've just, only got okay. So it then looks like Gaan Cyril, be-
1: Don, Vicente, Luque, Jessica, Penne, and Miles Johns all got performance of the night bonuses, and they gave out uh, the fight of the night bonus to uh, Paziv and Green.
0: Okay, so then I guess just that Gone one was missing from Raimundi's tweet. So you know, I mean, he definitely deserves it. I mean, it was a flawless performance.
1: Uh, this is what I'm reading on SureDog. so it looks like uh, they gave out an extra hundred grand.
0: How kind! It was a special occasion.
1: It was. It was two sixty five.
0: Do you it remember was what the, was the first was ever UFC... in French interim heavyweight champion?
1: It's 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 cause for celebration. Do you? <laughs> as we're at two sixty five, do you remember what was UFC one sixty five?
0: Was Brock Lesnar fighting? Nope. No, I don't.
1: Jones Gustafson at the Air Canada
0: Centre. Oh yes, the the the, the John Jones is home away from home uh, for a little while. Toronto was uh, his spot. That was the time when I think he went to visit Open Mat. Uh, do you, do you recall that?
1: Uh, I was not there at Open Mat, but I will I will take your word for it.
0: So he just the time just I remember when so. Open Mat was the gym that uh John and I both trained at separate times but uh I I would have been training around the,
1: around this time at Open Mat.
0: Uh, yeah, oh team. for sure. And so he uh when uh Jones came to Toronto for fight week, uh the owner of the gym Elliot uh let him use the space for just, you know, a little bit of training warm up and he did some nice things. He tweeted out there's some nice uh a verbiage on the wall, you know, believe in yourself, and uh, he he took uh, inspiration for from some of that. So that was cool. You know, he made a few trips to Toronto. I guess maybe because, I mean, he drew well here. Uh, maybe because he was hometown is Buffalo, or just because the hot Toronto market.
1: Yeah, he had he had the Machida fight here. He had the Vitor fight here, and then Gustafson. So it was um, you know fairly regular occurrence each year for. Yeah, three years in a row that Jones ended up fighting here. Uh, Before we wrap things up, as we mentioned, there's no UFC card next week. And then August 21st, it's Jared Cannoneer against Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, But the next pay-per-view is not until September 25th. And listen to these top fights, Phil. Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega for the featherweight title. This has been delayed since March, and then they ended up coaching tough. Uh, Women's flyweight title fight, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. That's Phil's main event. The return, tentatively, of Nick Diaz. His first fight since January of 2015 against Robbie Lawler in a five-round welterweight (laughs) fight. Curtis Blades versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. And we've got, uh, Marab Dwalishvili versus Marlon Marias, So those are six intriguing fights on top of this.
0: That last one is the little sneaker. That's a really exciting fight. Marlon Marais
1: uh, on this card, which he will probably end up being on the prelims as well.
0: Yeah. Probably the top of the prelims. I imagine with, uh, mm. hopefully the way that that one turns out, um, uh, Yeah, Alexander Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega. What an amazing fight. Uh, Volkanovski has just been incredible, and Brian Ortega looked so great in his last fight. And yeah, man, Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. I am down, 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 down. Let's do it, baby. I'm so excited. Over or under two rounds for
1: Diaz and Lawler.
0: Uh, Are these scheduled to go five, or are these scheduled to do three? Diaz and Lawler are scheduled for five. I say it's over two rounds. Yeah. I I think, yeah. I'm going on the
1: under on this one.
0: Okay. All right. I mean, I'm I'm going to predict a Nick Diaz finish here. He's going to finish Robbie Lawler, Ooh. but it I, it just might not be in two rounds. You think yeah. it's going to be the other way, eh?
1: I, listen, any anyone trying to predict this fight is just <laughs> in the dark playing, just throwing darts, okay? There's absolutely no way anyone can have any solid analysis of what to expect from Nick Diaz in 2021. And frankly, where Robbie Lawler is at in his career, this is a total fight that you're just... Purely guessing what is going to happen,
0: but it'll be entertaining. I, I, well, I hope so. I mean, I'm, i I mean, even the buildup. Just the, is what happens. Is Nick even going to show up for the press conference? If he doesn't show up for the press conference, that makes all this news. This is the. I mean, I, you know, there's a title fight. I get it. This is the biggest fight on this card. This is a massive fight. The Nick Diaz Army is significant. It may not be as big as his brother, Nate, but the fact that he's been off for so long and he's going to have that Nate juice right beside him. This is a huge fight. I think, I think fighting
1: will be the main event of this. I'm not saying it goes on last, but this will be the main event to people buying the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I just feel like as we get closer to that event, it's going to feel like a really big event because of that. Yeah, when's and the last is, time anybody talked to Nick outside of that uh, Ariel interview from a couple of years ago, right? So it might I think,
1: be the last one.
0: Yeah, so just people are just gonna want that. Like, what does he have to say, even if it's you know nonsense?
1: That's this is also gonna be their international fight week, so they're gonna do the Hall of Fame ceremony on the Thursday night, and um, so this will be kind of their their usual July events happening in September. Um, B- barring any problems in in the US. I mean that's when you're forecasting all these events and stuff, it's yeah, I think that has to be in any promoter's um immediate future is, you know, looking at contingency plans. I think like that's kind of how you have to be thinking as well.
0: Well fortunately for the UFC, they always have that apex to go back to. Dana's so. got
1: he's got Abu Dhabi, Houston, <laughs> and Florida. <laughs> Houston <laughs> I'll just keep on rolling. So That's there you right. Go. Yes. All right, we're gonna wrap things up. Thank you to everybody uh, that has joined us tonight. Hey, oh,
0: sorry, so then, so I just want to do a couple promos, couple promos, real quick promos. Are we gonna throw it to me? Did I ruin it again?
1: I am always just going to lay the groundwork to send it over <sighs> to Phil Share Talk to let all uh, the masses I, know. I'm
0: such an amateur. How an am- can
1: they support the great post wrestling and Phil Share Talk?
0: Well, first, of course, how can I not mention the fantastic T-shirt that we have on sale? Your Eric MMA Marcotte T-shirt, limited edition, on sale from now until the end of August. Get it while it's hot. The hottest uh, T-shirt in uh, post-history. And, uh, John, I-, I know that you spent a lot of time as the Intercontent Channel champion. It was, it was a grand time when, you were, when the crown was on your head but we've actually not had a champion for quite a while now. And I've decided that it is time to have a new face for the promotion, but we're going to have a new title and it's called the meta multiversal championship. And I will be crowning it on Twitch on Monday and I'll be joined by a post luminary Jordan Goodman. So, uh, If you want your chance to be crowned the champion at this free pay-per-view event that we're titling All the Marbles, join us. You can find all the details on uh, Discord, so join the Discord. We're going live after our friend Dickie Bird's Twitch show on uh, Monday is over. And, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, We look forward to seeing you there. I'm sure you'll be in attendance, John. of course. Have you ever Uh, seen that movie, All the Marbles? uh, Peter Falk? He, he, he's apparently a coach of a uh, female wrestling tag team. I have
1: not. No. You recommend it?
0: Uh, I, I haven't seen it, but it has come to my attention. And the poster alone and the plot makes me think it's can't miss. So uh, hopefully I'll have a review for uh, the next uh, post show.
1: All right. Well, folks, new championships falling out of the sky are very much in vogue <laughs> and we are jumping onto that trend. So do follow along uh, and you can follow more of Phil on Twitter at fish underscore CA. Did I get it right?
0: That's that's correct. Yes. Give him a follow. It.
1: Yes. And he is always camped out in the post wrestling discord. So you can access that at postwrestling.com and enter the world of the discord. It's a, different, yeah. it's, it's a different world over there.
0: It, it is a different world. A world of gifts and emojis and uh, sarcastic remarks and fun people and fight predictions and pictures of your lunch and all sorts of fun stuff. So come on in. Come join the Discord. com slash Discord. The place to be for every live event. All right. That's
1: going to wrap it up for us. Thank you to everybody for listening. And we will speak with you next time after UFC 266.